everybody out there, you metalheads, this is Minute from a Tear from Steelheart. You are listening to Focus on Metal. Rock and roll. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to the second-to-last episode of Focus on Metal for 2018. Still got about a week to go to uh, get in any more of your heavy metal album shopping before uh, before the holidays hit, so uh, you know, get out there and support those bands. A lot of great releases this year, and they're still coming. On December 7th, Metal Church put out their latest album via Rat Pack Records called Damned If You Do. And so this week, to find out what's going on with the album and everything else happening in the Metal Church camp, Richie once again sat down with uh, the man, the myth, the uh, the guy behind the whole Metal Church legend, Kurt Vanderhoof. And then also, as you can tell from the uh, the beginning of the show, Richie also had a, a surprise interview with the uh, the voice behind Steelheart. That's right. Kind of uh, one of those things that dropped into his lap. I think at the last minute was very surprised when he presented that one to me. Didn't know that was coming. And uh, from uh, judging from what he was talking about, I don't think he was either. But he was very pleased to be able to uh, to talk some steel heart as well. So we're gonna have a pretty wide range show happening here with some classic metal with Metal Church, as well as some more of the, the melodic side of things with Steelheart. So I figure I'm going to kick things off alphabetically here. So whether it's the guy I'm talking to or the band, either way, Metal Church comes up as the front runner in the alphabet. So uh, we are going to uh, delve into what is going on with the brand new release, Damned If You Do. And of course, if you want to, you can head up to ratpackrecordsamerica.com slash metal-church. And in there, you will uh, get all the good stuff you can uh, you can get from them as far as the brand new release. You can also head up to focusonmetal.net, and right there on the main page is that same link. Just click there, and that's probably a hell of a lot easier than remembering the big, long address that I just gave you. So, eh, you know, just head up to focusonmetal.net, click on the Metal Church icon there, and bam, it'll hit you right over to Rat Pack where you can get all kinds of good stuff there. They always have their great bundles. So they have a, a hand autograph CD bundle still available, as well as some uh, some good, cool vinyl stuff. They have the the blue splatter vinyl. It looks, it looks very, very cool. Nice big bundle there as well. They got a pick pack bundle. You can get some T-shirts, all that good stuff. You can even get this thing if you want on a, on a cassette. That's a very limited one, but if you want to get the brand new Dan, if you do release, go old school, get it on cassette. You can also get that up at Rat Pack. And hey, just if you want to go back to uh, the last release they did for Rat Pack, which was the classic live one, they have a very cool green splatter vinyl available for that one as well. So if you are the Metal Church completist, you can get that. And they have some other great stuff there as well. So hey, best bet, head up to focusonmetal.net. Click the old handy Metal Church icon that I have there, and you can go over and get your Metal Church stuff. And uh, right next to that one is actually an icon for Roxanne, guess we had a few weeks ago. So if you wanted to get into the old Radio Silence bundles, that link is right there on focusonmetal.net as well. I mean, we are just making it convenient as hell for you. So with that, what do you say I shut the hell up and we can get right into Richie's chat with Kurt from Metal Church. Kurt? Hey, Richie, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Nice to talk to you again. Hey, you too, man. Yeah, I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you've done a ton of interviews. You can't. You don't remember me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, it's always good to talk to somebody who seems to care about a new record. So yeah, that's always a good thing. Yeah, definitely do. So before I get into the new album, and, and I've heard the whole thing by the way, um, when you did the eleven record with Mike, you would have had certain expectations on that. Were those expectations met? Do you think? Oh, they were exceeded. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because we got to make a second record. <laughs> <laughs> so was there one thing in particular that, was there a, sh- a particular show you played maybe, that you just looked out at the audience and went, wow, this is unbelievable what's happened since Mike came back? 
Well, yeah, I mean, we were on the Megadeth tour, so all those shows were great, and we did some shows with Megadeth in Europe, which were great, doing the festival thing, and then just the fact that Mike and I get to be on stage together, which we never did back in the day, so that, that's been great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, with this record, you've had, a, you've had to replace your drummer. Um, wh- why did Jeff play it leave, and, and, how, and how did you find out about Steph Howland? Uh, well, Jeff, he was been and is very busy with Red Siberian Orchestra, and he's you know dealing with a lot of stuff at home and things like that. It was just kind of time for a change for him. I mean, it had nothing to do with the band. We're still great friends. He's a fantastic drummer, and I love working with him. And we may work together again in the future on some projects. But it was just kind of time for a change for him. Um, Scott came in through Steve because when we had kind of taken a break a number of years ago, Steve had uh, got into a band with Stat, uh, the band uh, uh, Where Angels Suffer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so it was just perfect. And when Jeff left and Steve suggested Stat, it was like, well, that makes absolutely perfect sense. So. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's pretty. But it was really pretty simple, kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. And then after playing with it, it was like, oh yeah, this is great. Yeah, so it was it was quick and easy. Yeah. So so how is Stet's health now? I know he had a health issue there a while back. Yeah, he beat cancer. He beat yeah. lymphoma. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's doing great now, man. He's one hundred percent cancer free. So you know, knock wood. He's but he's doing wonderful. Yeah, I think he's um, I think he's in my neck of the woods. I'm in Massachusetts. I think he's from around here. Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, I think he's playing a show on. It's about half an hour from my house on Friday night. So I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I know he does. He has some other bands and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I saw, um, I saw Jeff play with Trans Siberian Orchestra about a week and a half ago, and um, I brought my eight year old son to it. He was absolutely blown away by the show. It was incredible. Oh yeah, it's an amazing show, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think if you're going to bring any your kid to a show, it's you're looking at something like KISS or TSO or something like that, something that'll visually blow you away. Yeah, with Christmas involved for kids. You know, you can't beat that, you know. Yeah, I, I went down well with him anyway. I, I got the, I'm the best daddy in the world after it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the coolest dad in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kurt, I want to talk to you about the uh, the songwriting for, for the album. Uh, do you mm-hmm. always start with a fresh slate of songs or... Do you keep ideas yes. stored up? Yes. No, I always start try to start fresh. Okay. I always try to, you know, when the when the spirit when the spirit moves me, um, you know, when it's time to start putting some new stuff together, then it's uh I literally try to start from scratch. Okay. Yeah. And well I do. And yeah, it, that's the best way to do it and try to so then that kind of de- determines kind of what the vibe of the record will be. Yeah, how do you get into the mood? Like, what sort of music do you listen to? Do you listen to the old metal church records, heavy rock, or does that even make a difference? It, you know, I when I listen to music, I listen to everything. I listen to, you know, everything from, you know, ABBA to the Sex Pistols and everything in between. So I just... When I start to put together a metal church record, I just, I don't really listen to metal because I don't want to consciously try to, you know, or subconsciously, excuse me, unconsciously try to, uh, you know, or unconsciously use stuff that I've heard. So I'll be listening to music that is completely unmetal and then get into the studio and start playing stuff and start vibing on things that, that you know, that are metal that I go, ah, that, you know, got to get my attention. So, you know, I try to keep, uh, I try to get in the mood by just by what I'm playing. I'll just sit down and start playing and just kind of start riffing out and see what, see what sticks. Yeah. Now you've taken on the mantle for a while now of practically being the, the, the sole songwriter in the band and, and the lyric writer as well with, with Mike, but is that a mantle that you relish t- doing all by yourself? You know, I just, I think I do it pretty much out of necessity. Um, Mike and I collaborate on the vocal melodies and lyrics, certainly. Um, it's, you know, everybody has the opportunity and everybody can contribute, you know. And so when I do the demos and the stuff, everybody does put their stamp on it and put, has their input on it. You know, they, so it's just what I do. Like it's what I do all the time, anyway. Whether it's a metal church record or a Presto Ballet album or my solo stuff or just me writing, just to 
try to make new music. It's what I do all the time. It's what I think about all the time. It's I'm pretty much useless when it comes to any other aspect of life other than that. <laughs> so it's uh, it's just kind of a natural thing. I never really thought about it as something I take on or not take on. It just is. Yeah. Now, a lot of the money now in the music industry is in the publishing and the writing of the songs. Um. Really? How do you deal with that with the rest of the guys in the band when they want to submit something and, you know, you're being the sole songwriter? Like, can that cause a problem? Well, it, we don't really, you know, any publishing, any money comes in, we split, it's split at all. So that's why the publishing thing, I don't really, off the new stuff, I don't get paid any more than anybody else. Okay. The only thing I get paid a little bit more is for making the record, you know, it's just studio time. It's, yeah. you know, production fees. But yeah, the, uh, as far as anybody else wanting to contribute, if it works and everybody in the band likes it, then then we use it. Yeah. So how complete are the demos when you hand it to the guys? Like, is it just a drum machine with a guitar or is it more form than that? Oh, no, it, it's, com- it's complete. It's complete. But and then I will send, but then the vocal melodies will be just kind of gibberish just to get placement and arrangement so everybody knows where they go and how, you know, so drummers can do their fills in the appropriate places and stuff like that. So, and then I will send them, you know, or give them the uh, the songs without their parts in it so they can make it their own and do their own parts. And that's, you know, something that's really important to me to make it sound like a band. You know, I may have written the songs, but I definitely insist on everybody, you know, doing their thing to it. Yeah. So the drum track, the drum track will be just very basic. Okay. You know, just something. And then, you know, and then, for example, Stat will, uh, you know, make it his own. He'll put his fills in, his stuff, and do his thing to it. So, you know, and that, that's that's very important that that happens. But it also makes sure that everybody has their input on it. Okay. Do you think that... Because I don't, I don't want it to be... I may write the songs, but I don't want it to be a solo project. Yeah. Do you think that Mike had more of a say in, in the vocals on this one than he maybe had in the first one? Yeah, but I I think maybe just because his confidence was up a little bit more. I mean, there was never, even on the last record, there was never any, like, it was just whatever we did. I mean, we approached it the same way. So I think he was a little more creative and had his confidence a little bit more after the success of the last record. So I think he stepped up a little bit. Well, not stepped up. I think he just kind of was a little more open to it and a little more feeling a little better and a little more creative. He was not stifled at all in any way on the last record, but I think because he hadn't done it in a while, maybe he might have been a little bit reserved. But on this one, I think he really got got more into it, and got, which is great. I mean, and because if you're singing it, I've always found that if it's something as a singer, if you've created, if they've created it, then they sing it with a little more, a little more oomph and a little more soul. So yeah, yeah. So I've had the new album, Damned If You Do, for about two weeks now, and I've listened to it a, a good few times. And the way I compare it to the last one, I, I think this one is, it's more streamlined, it's more up tempo. Um, there's no real epic seven or eight minute track on it. Was that all deliberate? Yeah, there's no ballads on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just in your face. It's a in your face metal record. All the songs I, are around four or five minutes long. Was that like was that deliberate? Not really. It's just it was just kind of the way it turned out. You know, there was uh, you know no I had no ballad when I was writing. No ballads came out. So. It just kind of is what it, you know, I just take that moment and create at that particular time. So, yeah, I don't like to get too, before I start a record, I don't like to sit down and go, okay, this record is going to go this direction, and it's going to do this, and it's going to do this. I don't like to do that. The only thing I do is, it's got to sound like metal church. I'm definitely not one to try to, you know, innovate anything and try to, you know, redefine what heavy metal means or change anything. I'm just not that guy. So I want the, you know, the fans to know that when they buy a metal church record, it's going to sound like metal church. Yeah. Can you as much as possible. And, you know, so, and, you know, you, you, I always, every record I try, every record I make, I try, it's always the best I can do at that time. Sometimes it works, other than sometimes maybe not. But at that particular moment, that's what I try to do. Yeah. After writing all the songs, Kirk, did you actually second guess yourself and say, like, maybe I should go back and try and write a ballad that it's missing one? Well, I kind of, after I realized that there wasn't one, I, I thought, hey, there's no ballad. Then I went, oh, that's all right. Cool. 
it just maybe it wasn't supposed to have a ballot on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's really hard to not second guess yourself, and that's one thing that I've learned over the years to to really try not to do, because if you overthink it, you'll never get done. Yeah. So, because the other thing with being the sole songwriter that I've always wanted to ask guys who do it, um, who's your soundboard? Who's the person that says, no, I don't like that song? And then maybe you can go back and say, yeah, maybe they're right. But if you're doing it all yourself, who's, who's, who's second guessing you? Well, we all have that input. That's why we write a big pile of songs and then pick the best ten. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll, before we even get to the point where we're all tracking it, I'll write, you know, 18 to 20 songs. And then we whittle that down, you know, with everybody's input going, I don't like that, I don't like that, we'll get, get rid of that one, okay, get rid of that. So we'll record about 15 or 16 songs, and then we pick them from there. And that's, that, that's everybody's input. Yeah. Are you pretty easy then at letting it go? Um, you know, you might usually, usually, but usually we all pretty much agree on that. You know, when the song's done, we all, most all of us go, we all like these songs, you know, or this particular song, or this song isn't working, everybody's kind of like, yeah, we agree. So we, we get along really well in that respect. Okay. There's a couple of songs in particular I want to ask you about on the record. Um, the one that stands out to me that's different to every single song on it is uh, Monkey Finger. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, yeah. that? I'm sorry? Monkey, can you tell me a little bit about writing that song? Yeah, that was, I wanted to write a more of a classic, just hard rock, accepty kind of song. That was a riff that I came up with, and I went, now that sounds like old school metal. And I just as we developed it, it became something that we all really, really liked. And I didn't really want to be a real one-dimensional, same tempo, 100-mile-an-hour album. I like albums to have a little different, you know, ups and downs and peaks and valleys and things like that. So I thought that fit in there really well, and I like that kind of stuff. You know, I really like the hard rock, you know, real simple, you know, big bear hug riff kind of thing, you know. And I, I like that kind of stuff, so yeah, it's, that, it's, that was the point of it. <laughs> it's, it's definitely different to every single other song on the album. Yeah, that was that was the idea. Yeah, yeah. And the other track I just want to touch on is um, "Guillotine," real old school, kind of trashy riff on that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that one because like, yeah, that does sound like old metal church. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a really good song as well. I hope that's in the live set. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a hell of a time figuring out what to play because we still got to play the old classics and then we got to play new stuff. So and we only depending upon if we're headlining or not, we only get so many minutes in the set. So it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. So the last time I had you on, Kurt, um, when Mike was just back in the band, I did ask you, uh, would you get, would could you ever see a scenario where Mike did any of the the Ronnie Monroe songs? And you said no. And now that you've done another record with Mike. Can you ever see yourself doing a set with Metal Church with just songs recorded with Mike? That would be possible, but at the same time, I don't want to disregard the past, and neither does Mike. The choice to do more Mike Howe-era stuff has to do with the stuff that Mike can sing well. I mean, Dave and Mike had different kind of voices. David Range was, David Wayne's range was, was considerably high at the time, so there's a lot of stuff that Mike is you know, not comfortable doing. I mean, he can do it, but he's not comfortable doing it well. So... And we've played those songs for so long and so long and did a lot of that during the Ronnie Monroe era. So now focusing on, on the Mike Howe era is, is kind of a nice breath of fresh air for us. Yeah, yeah. Now, of the first couple of albums you did with Metal Church, is there any particular song you'd like to, to tackle now with Mike that you, you very rarely played in the past? <sighs> What are you saying? Is there any Mike Howe era stuff that we'd like to play live that no, we never have? Any of the songs maybe from the David Wayne records that you've rarely played that you'd like to see Mike tackle now that you haven't done yet? Boy, yeah, probably. Um, well, I don't know what that would be off the top of my head. Um, you know, I'm sure that would have a lot to do with Mike, which ones he'd like to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be pretty much have to be his call, I would think. Yeah, the, the only reason I'm asking is you see all these bands now that 
you know, the anniversaries of records, and they, they tend to do them in their entirety. And I'm just yeah. w- wondering, is that something you've ever, like, broached with Metal Church? Oh, yeah, yeah. We did that with Ronnie Monroe on uh, our one of the first time we were on 70,000 Tons of Metal. We did the first album in its entirety. Okay, okay. Because uh, David, uh, David and Ronnie had similar voices. Okay, okay. No, it's just something I've, I wanted. To, I definitely wanted to ask you because... Oh, yeah, 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 of course. You've, you've got so much material there, Kurt, you know, and... Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you got you got all these bands that go out and they play the same 12 or 14 songs, and I'm sure there's stuff you've written in the past that you'd love to play live, and you just happen oh, to be yeah, able to yeah, do it. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I was just curious to ask you about it. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one, and I've always thought that, you know, especially like bands like Judas Priest or something, you know, they're still playing Victim of Changes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that one, you know, and but there's a, probably tons of stuff. I think, you know, it's just, I, that just comes with the territory. But, you know, to have a career and have that much material, that's a really, you know, wonderful problem to have. Yeah, yeah. So, Kurt, before I leave you go, um, what's next on... For you, is it? I know you got a Presto a Presto Ballet album coming out too. Yeah, it's coming out on the fourteenth. Okay. Yep, two albums, and, two albums um, in the same I, month. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I'm just working on all kinds of stuff right now. I'm uh, working on some solo stuff and some just some old rock and roll stuff. I'm going to try my hand at some. I just want to start creating music, and it's going to be all over the map. Okay. You know, it's if, you, if if fans that only like metal might hate it, but the fans that like all kinds of music might like it. So, and I'm doing it just to try to be, not try to be to it, to try to create music from the purest standpoint that I can. You know, if I wake, you know, wake up and feel like writing and feel like being in Super Tramp today, then I'm going to do that. If I wake up feeling like I want to be in the Dead Boys, then I'm going to do that. You know, and just I just want to create and see what happens. Yeah. You know, without any kind, any kind of you know, preconceived format or template to work from. Just if I sit down, okay, I'm going to start writing something on the piano. I'm going to f- go with that. Just to, to try to do that, just to see what happens. You know, doesn't mean anybody will ever hear it, but at least it's something that I want to try to do. Who knows what will happen? Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm also, that's another thing you bring up there, Kurt. Like, if you're the guy who does the, most of the music for Metal Church and you do a solo record, some people will say, like, What's the difference? Because because he does all the metal church songs anyway. Right. Well, it's going to be probably a different style. If I want to write a metal album, I wouldn't make that a solo album. If I'm going to write metal, I'll do it with Metal Church. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if I'm going to do something else over here in Presto, then that's a whole other thing too. So that's what as a as an artist without trying to sound too pompous you know that's one thing I wouldn't want to do that you know to try you know creatively experiment on a metal church's fans time you know I mean if I want to try different music I'm not going to put that in a metal church record because you know a metal church fan is going to buy that and they're going to be like what the hell is this you know so yeah. if I do, I'll have another project or another another creative outlet that can be different kinds of things, you know, and then make it available to everybody and, you know, be, you know, let them know, like, look, this isn't metal, you know, or yeah. this is, you know, yeah. something or country folk. Who, who <laughs> God only knows what it'll be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's why I don't like to experiment and stuff like that on, you know, like a metal church record or something, because that's, I don't know, I've never liked it when bands did that to me. You know, if I buy a record of a band I like, I want it to be that band. That doesn't mean that they try, you know, that they are just release the same record. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I find I'm not one for trying to innovate or change, you know, the definition of things and music and try to, you know, expand the definition of what metal church means and all that. I'm, I'm never one for that. I'll leave that to somebody else. Yeah. So. Kurt, Kurt, that can be tough on the, on the band because, they want to grow as musicians, but yet their fan base doesn't want them to grow. 
Well, right. So that's why, you know, the whole thing about doing other projects and being able to try different things is extremely important to me, you know, and I think other artists should be able to do that as well. I mean, like other other artists that are in bands, okay, this band has this particular sound and direction, so you do that. But if you want to expand, then step out of that and try something a little different here and do things like that. I think that's extremely important to people that, you know, do create music and art, that they try different things. But, you know, from a fan from a respect to the fans, I I personally feel that if you you know if you have a name and a sound for a particular band that somebody's going to buy it, if you start changing things up and experimenting, then you're then you're kind of then they're going to buy the record and they'll be like, this isn't what I wanted, you know. So do a solo thing, do another side project, or do something else, you know. But keep true to what your fans like, yeah. you know. That's my 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 feeling, you know. So if you want to try different things, do it in a different do it in a different project. But don't don't you know don't mess with the fans. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a lot of bands do to try and uh, maybe combat that a little bit is that they'll throw in the odd cover in the set. Have Metal Church ever been one to do that? Well, the only cover we've really done, you know, played live was Highway Star. Okay. Now that was on the first record, obviously. So, you know, we've we've messed around with some cover tunes and things like that before, but we've never really put them in the set. Because again, because we have a lot of material that we need to cover, so putting a cover tune in would be kind of like, wait a minute, why don't we pull something out that people expect, (laughs) or that people want to hear? You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kurt, what's 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 the plan for next year then? A lot of touring, a lot of festivals in Europe. Yeah, well, we're sitting, yeah, we're going to be over in Europe a couple times, you know, doing the festivals and that. We're setting up a U.S. tour right now. And uh, so, yeah, all that stuff is going on right now. So we'll be definitely out doing some shows. Yeah, I hope you're in the uh, the Massachusetts area. I'm sure Joe will yeah, I'm pretty sure we will at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure we will. All right, Kurt. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. The album is excellent, by the way. I love it. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. So you keep on writing there, and I'll keep on buying it and listening to it. A little taste of one of the new ones off of Damned If You Do. That is the single By The Numbers. And when we move on now, because we got lots on uh, on the show this week, and we will get into Richie's chat with Milienko Matijevic, the voice behind the band Steelheart. And also on December 7th, Steelheart put out their latest one, Live in Milan. So why don't we get right into Richie's chat with Millie from Steelheart. Hello. Richie? It is. How you doing? Hey, man. How are you? Yeah, you must be pretty fried. Eh? How many interviews have you done today? Uh, this is number five. Okay. I got seven more. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you're, you're from Croatia, correct? Yes. Okay. Did you, did you, where did you watch the World Cup final? I watched it um, here in uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. And was there a big Croatian contingent with you when you watched it? No. Well, I watched the first one. I watched um, in um, in in a bar here in um, in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. A local local uh, pub, which nice nice place, and uh, it was pretty intense when we were playing England. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know? And uh, it was. I was me, my friend Jimmy, and Brian, and his girlfriend. 
we were the only four in there rooting for Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you know, in a bunch of drunk, you know, I mean, what was it, 9 a.m., I think, over here, or something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it was on, oh, yeah, they were hammered. Everybody was really hammered. And I'm saying, and it was just, you know, they're screaming. Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm not going to let anybody know I'm Croatian. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, and, and, then the, and then the couple watched uh, here at home. Okay, okay. So, yeah, because um, they did really well this year. They got to the final. A lot of people didn't think they'd it, get that far. They should have won. Yeah. They should have won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they just got all excited. They just got really excited just to be where they got, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, the, the guy, yeah. the guy you have in the middle of the field, uh, Modric, brilliant player. Yeah, that's, that's a very amazing team. Yep, they should have won. But anyway, yeah, it is, I, I have, I have a, I have a footage from my cousin that sent me, uh, sent me a, uh, a clip of them coming home when they when they flew into Zagreb. Yeah, it took them. I think it took them four hours to get into the center of town, which takes only like twenty minutes. Wow, that's great, though. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, to see. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. So I listen. I could talk. I could talk football with you all day, but I I know you've got other interviews right. lined up. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about the the rock the rock and Milan, the Steelheart, the live album. Now, as far as I know, Unruly Child were on the same bill with you. Is that correct? Who said it? Who was that? Unruly Child was that the same, um, was that the same festival? Because they had they brought out a live album recorded at the Frontiers Festival, but that came out like in February. So I'm just wondering why. This took so long to come out. Oh, I'm not quite sure if they were on there or not. Okay, I don't know. Oh, well, put it this way: I almost, uh, I almost bagged the whole thing because I had a, you know, I had a guitar player that died. Yeah. A month after the show. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even want to put it out. Okay. Okay, that was heavy. That was heavy as shit. You know, sure. it was very heavy. You know, and um, I wasn't ready for that. What was really ironic is that I had a friend of mine called me a week before, literally a week before, and said, hey, Kenny passed. Kenny died. I'm like, what are you talking about? He died. Yeah, Kenny died. And then I called him, and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, dude, somebody said that you died yesterday, you know? Yeah. And then a week, and then a week later, I think it was like a week later, a week and a half later, he actually passed away. So... It took some time. It, it was probably the most difficult thing to, you know, put together a mix. It, it was it was too much. I really, you know, I um I almost bagged the whole project to be honest with you. Yeah, after so, something like that, I wouldn't blame you to be honest. Exactly. I, yeah. I think it would have been fair fair enough if I just said no. That you know, we it is what it is. You know. Yeah. Well, I I will say one thing that thing sounds fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I thought everyone did a really good job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One, one, so. w- was it difficult looking back on that now, picking the picking the set? Because there's a lot from the debut, and one of the things I did notice was there's nothing from Tangled in Rains on it. Right. You know, that's, we're going to put a lot of, uh, we like, we got to rework the set, add some other things to it, because we like having, you know, we like having the movie in there from the movie Rockstar. Yeah. Um, we like having the past hits, of course, and we're trying to get every record in there. So we've got to figure it out. You know, it's a lot because, you know, an hour goes by really quick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And trying to, try, trying to figure out the best set is, um, is it's, a lot of, it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. But we're going we're gonna to work that back there. We didn't, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate we did nothing from Tangle of Rings. Yeah. I agree with you. I was yeah, just, I, I, I was just ahead. wondering, is that is that an album you look back on fondly, because there was nothing on on, on this. Absolutely, Tangle and Rains had a lot of really good songs on it. A lot of lot of really strong energy, you know, yeah. like Loaded Mother. I mean, I love that song, Loaded. I was Mama Don't You Cry. That was a huge song in uh, in Asia, massive yeah. song. Yeah, so, like so, we had Tom Werman on the show, and I don't know whether you know this, but um. He owns a bed and breakfast now in Western Massachusetts. He runs it. I know. And and, um, so we did a career chat with him. And I think around the time you did that, he was more or less at the stage where he was retiring from the music business anyway. So Mm -hmm. what what are your memories of working with him? Like, how did he push you in the studio? Um, 
you know, we just, it was a very, it was a very easy, casual uh, record, uh, Tangled in the Rains, when we worked on that one. It wasn't, it wasn't like, we came in um, very prepared, we didn't change much, you know, and we all just fell in, focused in, we filmed a lot of it, we had a lot of it on film, and uh, we focused in and we just knocked it out. It was a very easy record. It wasn't a difficult one. And uh, Tom was great. Uh, Elliot, uh, oh, I forgot, I forgot his name. It was Elliot. Yeah, I forgot his name. Hmm. No, it wasn't Elliot. Oh, my God. The engineer. My brain just stopped working. Sorry. I'm not um, sure what his name is. I don't know. But it was really good because uh, Tom, called, Tom was the one who called me for the movie Rockstar. Okay. You know? Years later, when uh, when he when he did the movie, he called me and said, "Hey man, you want? I think you'd be perfect for this part. You want to audition for it? You know." And um, that's when I went to and I went to California and I auditioned to it, and I I got the gig a couple hours later. Wow, nice. Exactly. So, so Tom and I, Tom and I had a nice long relationship journey, friendship. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but actually, you know what? I think I'm going to reach out to him right after the last speaking to you. Yeah, he's an awesome, out, awesome guy. Yeah. Really honest with me yeah. when I spoke to him. I mean, some great stories. Yeah, oh, he's definitely got stories. That's oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. He said, one of the things he said to me was uh, when people go into his bed and breakfast in his office, he's got all the albums on the wall and he's had people come in and look at him and say, are you that Tom Werman who did Cheap Trick and Ted Nugent and all right. those? And he said, yeah. And they're saying, and you run a bed and breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually gonna now. I'm actually enjoying my life. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. He actually said that to me. He's enjoying his retirement. Yeah, no, he, yeah, I understand. He, he had, he had, well, I had challenges in in this business, and he had some too, and he just got fed up with it. But, I mean, I can't blame him. And he just, he just enjoying himself. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know? uh, no, this is life. Yeah, and no, one of the things I was speaking to a guy called Jason Slater a while ago. And he's a producer, musician, and he worked with Jeff Tate and from Queens, who used to be in Queensryche. And mm-hmm. I was asking him about Jeff in the studio as a singer and how tough he is on, on himself vocally. And he said it's something very interesting, and I figured I'd ask you the same thing. He said that Jeff is very hard on himself because it's he can hit the notes, but it's the emotion behind it that only he knows when he's when a take is good enough, is, is that something you're, you, that happens with you as well? That the producer, you're looking at the producer. The producer said that sounds great, and you'd say, actually, no, I want to do that again. It, it's not right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's it's right. I know what I know. I, I feel it. The one thing I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to sit back for one second and see why somebody else will choose something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, with me, with me, it's so clear that when I sing something and here's my issue in the studio. My issue is that when I start warming up and enjoying a thing and I'll sing the damn thing like 15 times. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we'll sit there trying to comp literally 15 tracks which part is better, you know? And then you're like, well, shit, they're all good. Well, which one is it? Which one, which one is the one to pick? So it's, um, yes, I have worked with producers exactly to what you're saying. And I would say, no, I need to rethink that again. I'm just warming up. However, what I'm saying is that maybe, even though I know there could be another beauty that I'm missing because if I see something that could make it so intense and so all the above, maybe that other part that wasn't so intense is more appealing or more honest. That's the only thing. Meaning, like I, we just shot this video, and I was going to cut it, and I was like, you know, and I gave it somebody else to cut, and then I'm looking at some of the scenes, and I'm like, going, why did you pick these these scenes? You know, as an editor. Yeah. Because I would not. And I was like, man, I don't like the way I look there. I mean, so that's not, that's right. He goes, you look honest. You look, I picked that because you look real. You look honest and you look vulnerable. 
That's why I. That's why I like that. That's what the people will see. That's what I'm saying. Same as the vocal. Sometimes, if it's too, you know, like Jeff and I, that we do the same thing. I'm the same way. So I'm trying to not do that as much. So let's see if somebody else sees something that I'm not seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's yeah. it's. But the thing is, it must be difficult for everybody else because only you know, and everyone else thinks it's great. Right. You know, absolutely, because you know you know what you can do, and you know the the emotion or the amount of just amount of air you want to push, or just some just the nuances. Those are what count. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's you know, with me, it's, it's, I guess with Jeff, it's, it's the level of ability, and then it's the level of honesty bringing to the song. So. I guess, uh, I don't know, either uh, cursed or uh, blessed, <laughs> you know, with that. Yeah. So so how do you think your voice has changed over the years? Because I've spoken to a few singers now, and they say that the stuff they recorded in the 80s and the early 90s, that the one thing that they, they, they hate about singing it now is, like, if they, when they recorded it, it was so damn high. Well, it's changed. Well, it's got, it's got a bit lower, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. which is which I really like, but the low register and the I have a really nice deep voice, you know, and a low stuff too. Yeah. Which actually you, you can hear in the Christmas song that it did. Yeah. I don't know if you heard it. Yeah. Um, but I still have that, you know, that high range as well, which, you know, knock on wood, I'm lucky to be able to do that still, you know? Yeah. Um, I think part, I think a part of that is also for me just, you know, not, not falling into the drugs or the smoking or the drinking and all that stuff. I don't think I would be able to do it, and I think my voice would have dropped much worse if I smoked, first of all, if I smoked weed all the time, or if um, if I did a uh, bunch of cocaine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, strips, it strips the mucus and, you know, everything from your throat, your not nasal, everything. So, yeah. Did you find that the labels pushed you to sing high? Because that seems to be what I'm hearing from a lot of the singers back back in the day that they wanted the high screens. Um yeah, actually they did want the high screens. You know, it's interesting. Now Korea wants the high screens. Everyone in Korea wants to scream high. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um and and here it's um yeah, back in the day, I mean, yeah. They did they wanted, you know, guys who were just like, you know, ripping it, you know? Screaming it, feeling it, the chicks loved it. Yeah. That's what it was. You know? But I'm a true believer. You gotta, you gotta do what you, what you are and what you feel, you know. And um, and that's what it was at that time. That's what I was, you know. I really enjoyed doing that. And that was uh, what it was. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm okay with it. You know. So, so what do you think is the toughest song in in the set now to sing because it's so high? Is the one that stands out for you? The toughest song. Yeah. Um. Well, they're all fucking tough. <laughs> 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 have, you, have you seen that set? Have you seen that set? Yeah, you, <laughs> you got, know what I mean? Yeah, you got six songs uh, off the debut. I, I, I'm going to guess and say She's Gone is pretty high. Um, yeah, She's Gone can get, can get uh, you know, can get interesting. I mean, they're all, <laughs> they're all, they're all difficult. I got to tell you, they're all, none of them, none of them are like a cake. You know, piece of cake. Yeah. None of them. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't even tell you, I wouldn't know which one's the hardest, you know. And it's interesting, but a lot of times when she's gone, it was, it was nice, actually, in, in, uh, in Milan, because I think she's gone came in kind of almost in the middle of the set or something. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So, which was nice. Because usually we do she's gone as an encore or, you know, different parts of the world that were later in the set. And it's like, ugh, you know, it's like, geez, you know, you're singing, you're singing for an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to do this one. And it's like, oh, okay. I don't know what to tell you. It's all, it is what it is. You know, they're all, they're all difficult and they're all beautiful in their own way. So you just got to work them all as best as you can at any time. You know what I mean? So have you ever had any serious vocal Issues where you've needed surgery over the years? No. None? Never had none. No. 
I'm very blessed with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, again, like I said, I always really try to take care of myself physically, mentally, um, spiritually, and uh, also, um, you know, what I, what, I'm, what I do. You know, I never did coke in my life. Can you believe that? Yeah. Being that I'm, I mean, I mean, I, have, I don't care what anybody else, I don't care what everybody do with that. No judgment passed, but I just never, being even at an early age, I always knew that um, it it just it would hurt the throat, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, let's face it, as you get older, the things you get older. You know, I want to be able to sing more, you know? And I can't, um, you can't do that with just getting wasted. It doesn't work. And that, uh, you know, that cuts your career in half, you know? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I hope I answered the question. Yeah. I'm going off some tangent here. Yeah, you're right. So, so what about um, yeah. the way you warm up your voice? Has, has that changed a lot? Like, have you have you gone to a lot of vocal coaches over the years who've changed your routine? I have not. Um, I have not. I've been, um, a lot of my routine has been uh, the same, warming up, uh, the biggest, always, Hot water, honey, and lemon. You know, mm-hmm. um, always try to stretch. It's a lot of stretching. You know what I mean? Uh, vocal exercises, and um, and you know what? You know what the you know what the key is to singing. And this is where it becomes the most difficult, is because my day is so packed with so many things to do. But the key is is to try to sing as much as possible. With me, the more I sing, the stronger I get. There's nothing worse when you're doing, like nowadays, it's not like you do a lot of tours. You do the tours, but a lot of them are like, you know, they're dates that you fly out, fly dates. You know, you do Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then you go home. And it's just like, it, it throws off the balance, you know, because when you're in it, and you, it's like, it's a muscle, you know what I mean? It's like working out. You mm-hmm. keep working at it. And the more you do, the better and the stronger it gets. So, that's a, that's a good part that I see in it. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting thing about the fly-in dates. I, the flights surely wouldn't be good for your voice either. No, it's, it's, it's what people don't understand. I mean, I've, I've already, I mean, I hurt my knee walking through all the airports, you know, and then compensating my needs. So now my so now I'm just kinda I have to restretch my, my left my left hips bother me because of my because of my knee. And that's literally sitting in the studio, traveling through the airports, walking through the airports and sitting on a plane. I mean, literally, I mean, no one understands how much work it is just to get to that stage you know, and perform. And now you're in all these different climates, airplane, airports, different cities, different parts of the, you know, country. It's it's really intense what we do, you know? And then you go up there for that hour, hour and a half on stage. You know, and you perform in a room that you just don't even know what to expect. You know? Uh, you don't know the vibe. The, I mean, it could be freezing. It could be, yeah, it's just, for a singer, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I remember um, band Primal Fear from Germany. They were over here last year, and um, Rob Sheeper is the singer. It was in the, he played a gig in the middle of the summer here, and he wouldn't allow the venue to put on the air conditioning because it had ruined his vocals and everybody else in the place was sweating profusely and he was happy because there was no air conditioning to ruin his vocals. Yeah, well, that's, that's I mean, I have in my contracts, no no smoking, cannot smoke. Uh, all the all the air conditioning vents have to be closed on, sta- on stage. It's, I have it literally. And it, because it doesn't work, we can't, we, we can't function, you know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have literally I have the crew every time, you know, the vents would all be, you know, closed down on stage. It's just, you can't, you can't perform. 
Yeah. You know? And the worst part about it, it you know, especially when you're performing you're, and you're singing, your, your throat's open, you're, it's cold in there, and you're sweating. Well, guess what the next day? You're going to catch cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so, so where, where in the world now is the biggest market for Steelheart? Would it be Asia? You know, I, I, it's interesting. I feel like it's, it's, I mean, it's growing. I mean, Asia, Asia has always been a good market for Steelheart. Yeah. But now, um, I feel, um, I feel like Steelheart is just rebirthing again. You know? Yeah. I really feel like it's just, uh, there's a, there's a really good energy to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I really worked hard in rebuilding everything mm-hmm. this last year, and um, meeting new business managers, new new crew, uh, two new guys in the band, uh, lawyers. Um, I mean, every everything's fresh, and I did that because I just didn't feel that everybody was happy with everyone. That that makes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I just felt it needed to be changed and it needed to be I wanted a nice, beautiful, happy, fun spirit with everybody. And right now everything with the band, everyone is involved is um is a joy to work with. You know? Mm. And um and I think that's really important and I think it shows and I feel a whole new I just feel a whole new beautiful energy rising. You know, we got music, we got other music coming out, we got shows, and, you know, everybody's respectful. I think something, there's something good, there's something going on with your heart right now. I really see something building nicely. Nice, nice. So, yeah, I hope everyone else does too, so. Yeah. So, so how many live shows a year would you normally average? Because I get the sense that you'd love to do more shows. Yeah, uh, that's that's what we've been building. That's the whole point of you know building what we're doing—the records and DVDs and all this stuff. Um, it has definitely picked up, and this year is already starting to pick up more. So um, I would be fine doing more shows. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. It, it's ne- it's necessary to be out there. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely now. The way the music business is, it's it's the touring where you make the most money. Exactly. It's it's sad because you know I don't know if anybody really realizes how much time, energy, and money it takes to make music or videos. You know, mm. it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot, and it's um, I would say um, it's sad. You know, I wish um, it is what it is, though. You know, yeah. That we have to really rely on the on the live shows, but it would be nice if um, I mean, it really isn't a lot of money. You know, you buy a single for a dollar or whatever. You know what I mean? But come on, mm. you know. But, it, but I think it's more exciting for everybody or the the millennium, the, the younger generation. It's more exciting for everyone to download it for free than to actually support. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's definitely, like, definitely. Kind of like. Kind of weird energy, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. So, one of my listeners said, "I have to ask you: um, Are you playing the M3 Rock Festival next year?" Which one? M3. I think it's in Maryland. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know that that is definitely in the conversation right now. Okay, that is definitely in the conversation, and I think the band should be playing it. Okay, I think uh, this, yeah, we should be. So we'll okay. see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because it, it seems to be a lot of there seems to be a lot of festivals starting to crop up in the U.S. now, catering to the to the melodic rock scene, uh, where before there really wasn't many at all. Right. No, definitely. There's a there's a there's a there's definitely a, some sort of a surgence, you know, re, uh, happening. There's definitely something going on right now with the uh, with the melodic rock. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happens? Yeah, and you got all the people on the, you know, the, the cruises are the big one now as well. Right. Yeah. I know we're already booked for next year. Oh, excellent. Not 2019, 2020. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
exactly. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Be, so before I leave you go, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band? Yeah. Uh, we have Steelheart.com. We have uh, Steelheart Instagram, Steelheart Twitter, Steelheart Facebook. And we also have Medianco Twitter, Medianco Facebook, Medianco Instagram um, as well. So that's where you can find anything you want to know about Steelheart. You can find it there or, or how would I say, Google us. <laughs> <laughs> You're everywhere. <laughs> well, if you get up to the Boston area, we'll be able to get out and say hello to you in person. Well, that'd be great. I, I would love to. I haven't played Boston in a few years, so I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Well, it's been a pleasure talking okay. to you, and uh, I hope the other interviews go well. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. All Take right. care. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. go rounding it out with uh, one of the live tracks from the new steel hot release live in milan one of my favorites off of the old rock star soundtrack living the life and they actually do uh, quite a few songs from that soundtrack all right maybe not quite a few they do three so besides living the life they also open the set with blood pollution another great one off of there and of course they have to throw in we all die young and i always remember that it was kind of interesting when you would uh, talk to people about the uh, rock star soundtrack and stuff and they were all into it thought it was pretty cool you know the c and zach up there and, and pilsen and all that stuff and uh, then you tell them about the fact that uh, steelheart contributed a lot of those songs and in fact some of them were back on the Steelheart album as well. And all they can think of is the uh, the whole Never Let You Go deal, and they just can't equate the two bands together. And that was always a cause for, uh, one, questioning whether you were right or not, and then just uh, just the, the oddball face that would happen afterwards. Because, of course, you know, back in the MTV days... Always what you saw on screen in that image, that seemed to be what everyone thought the uh, the band was only capable of. But it's great to see that Millie's still out there belting it out and that the voice is in fine shape, as you can tell on their uh, latest live release. So before we get out of here, I just want to say big thanks to uh, Kurt from Metal Church for coming on the show. And uh, make sure you support Metal Church by going up to Rat Pack Records and getting yourselves a copy of Damned If We Do. And also... Once again, thanks to Millie from Steelheart for coming on and giving us uh, all the scoop on the Live in Milan, as well as some other uh, back-in-the-day reminiscing, and also some uh, tips about how to uh, be uh, in the singer game for the long term. So maybe repay the favor of that knowledge by going out and picking yourselves up a copy of Steelheart Live in Milan. So that will do it for yet another week here on Focus on Metal. Have something pretty killer to uh, wrap up 2018 for you before we go off on winter break. Not going to tell you what it is because I've got to make sure that we're 100% locked in on this. But if we are, it's going to be a great end of year show for you. 
But as I said, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.